Robert England here, a.k.a. Freddy Krueger. This is Burning for Springwood. Yes, hello. We're back again. Uh, Burning for Springwood. N- not your definitive Freddy's Nightmares podcast, but it's one of them. I've no, I've noticed there's been other ones, but you know what? Whatever, bro. Uh, it's hot as hell here, man, in the boiler room. Even hotter in, in NorCal. Uh, I think their boiler room's a little bit hotter, man. Is the man who uh, mastered disaster, well, the disaster, you know, Area he he causes earthquakes and shit, man, with his mind. Uh, yeah, I'm Mike Merriman's here. How you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, I haven't actually felt the aftershocks of an earthquake in years. Cal- you know, California is notorious for them, but realistically, most earthquakes, like the majority, are so mild, no one ever knows about them. You know, you'd have to actually look them up to know they happened. But today, about an hour away, I guess there was a 5.9 and then a 4.8 and not not enough to do any damage in the cities. Um, but I, I definitely felt something in my chair. And the, the funny thing was it wasn't very intense. It didn't put a scare in me, but it lasted long enough to where I kind of triple question myself it was it, it sort of went like hey what's that to is that an earthquake nah it's not and then wait is it <laughs> um so yeah it was it was interesting my, my kids didn't feel it or if they did they probably had no idea like what it was they're you know they're young they're always moving around anyway but uh yeah uh, other than that just your standard what thursday is it <laughs> So, I, yeah, I had my excitement for the day. I mean, unless, of course, you count uh, the episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, which are always exciting, right? Oh, most definitely exciting. I'm glad everybody's safe. I, I had to bring it up, man. So it's real, real world uh, stuff here. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in the room with the with the Duchess right now. So if you hear me meow, she, 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 she wouldn't leave me alone. So, you know, yeah, that goes. Uh, nice. Suzanne is not with us tonight. Uh, I do have her thoughts on... The two episodes we're going to do uh, claim she was exhausted from not sleeping for the last two days. I wonder if our our mystery, you know, man, the the, the son of a hundred maniacs, is, is haunting her dreams at this point. He could, he could be, you know, threatening mm-hmm. her with with poor work conditions, like working for a commission and nothing else. But uh, speaking of which, we're going to get to our first episode, uh, which is episode 17 of the very first season, which is called Love Stinks. Adam's about to meet the girl of his dreams, but this fatal attraction is more than just a one-night stand. Tell me you love me. It's what every girl wants to hear. She'll do anything to score. He's mine now. Falling in love means never having to say you're sorry. Adam better learn the look of love. On the next Nightmare on Elm Street, the series Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah, Love Stinks uh, premiered February 25th, uh, just after Valentine's Day, of course. 
1989, directed by one John Lafia, who if you don't know the name, this is a guy who wrote Child's Play, uh, directed Child's Play 2, and directed Man's Best Friend. I love all three of these things, so this episode we'll find out if we love it or not. I don't know. It's it's, uh, (laughs) uh, your your basic plot, uh, which has two plots that are sort of entertained because you're supposed to think that he's in a nightmare, so I'd imagine this is a continuing nightmare. Uh, after Teenager Adam is coerced into cheating on Laura, Tamara Glenn, who you may know as the Red Devil Girl in Halloween 5, uh, not the cookie woman, but, you know, some other woman who shows her boobs in the movie, uh, with Lonnie, a girl he met at a party, he finds that she's looking for more permanent, more than a permanent, more, a more permanent relationship, uh, i.e. she stalks him in a way, kind of. Uh, meanwhile, Adam's friend Max is forced to abandon his planned summer trip. It's, it's, it's still, it's still his friend, whatever. Uh, take a job at a pizza place working under his creepy, tyrannical uncle, which is actually his brother. Wiki had this wrong. Uh, Jeffrey Combs plays the brother, the older brother who, who's always, uh, you know, better than the younger brother. Always besting him. And, uh, yeah, Mike, uh, initial thoughts on the episode, sir. Well, you know, as I was watching this one, my first thought was, did we already cover this episode? Because I'm starting to see a pattern, and maybe it's just because a lot of slasher movies deal with, you know, teenage-aged storylines and stuff. But I swear there's already been, like, a handful of episodes with a love triangle. And I swear there's already been a couple episodes involving a pizza place. Now... I could be confusing other anthology shows at the time because I remember I think there was like a Tales from the Crypt where there was like a diner maybe that had a similar twist going on about the secret sauce or secret ingredients. Well, so the, I could the, be the diner what you're talking about I think is um the one um Tales from the Crypt I think is Star Christopher Reeve where Judd Nelson yeah. worked for them and he was killing hobos on the street and, and killed their landlord to make steaks. For this, for this, uh, yeah, that's it. this squid restaurant, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's a typical teenage love triangle, kind of in like a nightmarish uh, scenario. You know, he, what jumps out at me, it's kind of funny because it's like. The main, or I guess the girl he cheats with, okay, first of all, she's the aggressor. She knows he has a girlfriend, I think. Yet, after the deed is done, it's like she is demanding, like, they're instantly in love. Like, it's almost like a borderline fatal attraction thing where there's, like, no justification for her actions after the fact, but... You know, it's a, it's a horror show, so, you know, she has to go crazy. There's lots of uh, nightmare fuel stuff, of course, messing with his head. And there's actually a pretty good effect uh, when he wakes up the next morning and, like, they're conjoined. Um, that's, like, typical nightmare on Elm Street-looking stuff right there. Oh, and, it's so nasty. Like, oh, I'll, I'll separate us if that's what you want, and, you know get some decent blood there um but i mean ultimately this opening story the first half it's it's very kind of standard not much to it that you wouldn't expect um i will i you know i will say i like the effects in it um but 
I, I guess the ending kind of fell, or the ending to this first story kind of fell flat. It was just really nothing. You as soon as like the the parents bust in and they're like, oh, but her daughter's here. It's like, gee, I wonder who that's gonna be. And it doesn't really like it doesn't really end with the daughter saying or doing anything bad. It's just the main character's face reaction, like, oh no, like that kind of thing. But um. I'll say it wasn't bad. It was just very kind of like a standard story, not a whole lot to it. Yes, this is this is split up into two. I think I should like throw in my little my little jam of thoughts in the first part of this one too, because it does do that thing that you know either love or hate. I, which I'm fine with both parts of this this episode. They don't really go together, but um, not many of these do go together. Um, yeah, I I I, I dig it. Okay, because you I, I've been in a relationship or two, you know, where that could, that could be the hardest thing to say, you know, because you, you're, that's, that's a heavy commitment to say, you know, this is somebody that I love, and to say the words sometimes is really hard for, especially for a douchey guy like this who, mom and dad said I could have a party, that doesn't make you the cool kid in town guy, just throw it out there when mom and dad said you could have the party, and, um, I, I love the, the little shit, this, like, like you mentioned, the, um, well, the big shit. Be, being them literally joined at the hip in a nightmare situation, it's so fucking nasty. It's like he reaches down, he feels he feels something which is like a, like a I don't even know, like a some kind of slime, and all all of a sudden he pulls it up. It's almost like he felt the wet spot or something. He's like, oh yeah, here, 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 yeah, and he looks down, and there's that fucking it's a, it's a nasty effect. It's a really nasty it's effect. Almost like an umbilical cord. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I love the parents in this episode because the whole time when they come home, Dad's missing a finger for no for no for no reason, you know. Until they explain, uh, by the way, your father fucked up too, so I, I took a finger. This is all a part of his nightmare, of course. I'm sure all the all this little thing is because that's what the show's about, you know. You fall asleep, you dream some weird shit. Is it still happening in the dream? Yada yada yada. But like, like Mike said, it's very, it's very formulaic. You know, this girl's kind of just there to say, hey, you couldn't tell your girl I love you, so you know what? Let's do it. But he, like, he wakes up next to his girl, and yeah, then the nightmare, yada, yada, yada. The guilt is there, and it's all about guilt. Especially when you get to the end, and they bring the friend of the family or whatever this person's supposed to be, and it, it's her surprise, you know, and... He's still circling that same nightmare, which I, I, I can appreciate an ending like that, where you have a show that's about him being in a nightmare, and he's still just repeating the same nightmare over and over again in different scenarios. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't suck, let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> the second part of the episode, though, Mike, uh, what, what, what happens next? So we get, um, I guess it's Adam's friend. That's how they connect it, his friend Max. Um, and that's another thing, because, you know, by now, if if we have listeners that are coming back for multiple episodes, it's already clear that most of these, I, I, it might be all of them, uh, there's always two stories. I, I would almost say the show would have been better off. I Like, the two different stories is fine, but I'm like, you don't even need to find, like, a character from the first story to connect to the second one. Just do two completely different stories. We don't need like a loose connection. <laughs> Cause sometimes like 
the fact that there's a holdover character into the second story, you think that it's going to be continuing something from the first story. And it, it takes you a few minutes or even like the first segment to realize, oh, they were in the first story, but this is a totally new story. Now, for us, we're kind of used to it by now because we've been watching these. But, you know, for someone turning on this show for the first time, it's it's it can be jarring. Like, wait, what? This guy was in the first story, but I don't know what the hell is going on now. So, um, but anyways, yeah, so basically here comes our classic, like, oh, what's going on in the pizza shop or diner or cafe that's, uh, nefarious. Like my boss is kind of a, you know, a hard ass boss, but, uh, there's something that's successful about his secret ingredients. And gee, what does the secret ingredient turn out to be? I don't think people will be surprised when they find out what it is. But I thought this episode was pretty good, too. I mean, you kind of saw it's another situation where, like, it's not really something we haven't seen before. I mean, there was like we brought up Tales from the Crypt already. There was there was like literally stories like this going on at the same time, like in that same era of like late 80s horror TV. But with that said, I mean, Jeffrey Combs, I mean, it's never a bad thing to see him. And he does his thing, plays it well. And overall, I still liked uh, this second one, too, you know, and I, I kind of like the end when Max, you know, Max kind of goes from like a irresponsible teenager that's just doing the job out, out of somewhat being forced to. And by the end, he he's totally bought into like the method and how to uh, be a successful pizza shop owner using the famous secret ingredients. It's all in the sauce, baby. It's all in the sauce. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this one, this one's fun. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what's going on at the beginning of this episode with the whole S and M. You're going to get a job. Your, your parents have this this guy whipping you to to say, "Okay, I'll finally get a job." That must be his weird, freaky dream that maybe he's into some weird sex things with his parents. I I, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, it is it is what it is, you know and yeah, I've been forced to get this job at the place that used to be the, the what the the Burger Boy for from like the first couple episodes, and of course there was murders that happened there, so they they retooled it into a pizza place, and you know it, just as soon as he's able to get ahead, because I think his brother, played by Jeffrey Combs, got him this job. He got him this job, and he he's of course you know the the, the fuck up. He's fucking up on purpose. He's messing deliveries. He's doing this. He's doing that. Just so he can get fired and get away from his shitty older brother, who's always more successful than he is, seems to be a one-up all the time. And then he finds some success into having some, like, I, I guess, like, after-hours pizza parties, but his friends come buy all the pizza, so he's making some money there, and this, of course, is messed up by, by brother again, and, like, Mike mentioned, it's his secret ingredient, like... Where all my friends go? Well, your friends are in the pizza now, and that's what's going on in this episode, that... Jeffrey Combs, who's just devouring the scenery in this episode, he's the really the real big saving grace this episode, and he's feeding his friends to to him and the, the, the patrons, and they making record money while he's working on commission for twelve dollars a week or something, <laughs> you know, because his brother swoops in and takes all the time. Um, I kind of like the ending of this episode too, to to where as you know, the uncle, you know, who, who 
sets the oven too high. It's 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 known in the, the beginning of the episode that this is an old oven. You can't let it go as high as, high as this goes, and it goes too far, kind of like the original ending of The Shining, to where the boiler gets too hot and blows up. And I guess the explosion causes maybe them to switch bodies because now Max has ambition and he wants to be the same boss as as his brother and. He used that secret ingredient, like Mike said, and I, uh, I, I dug it quite a bit. I, and as, it doesn't work as well as as the next one because you got some something going on. We'll talk about it just this next little bit here. Um, but I, I, I like both segments, just not together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like it, it's it's always an interesting choice the way they'll usually use a crossover character, but then the story oftentimes has no relation at all. So it, it it's kind of jarring or just disjoint. It always feels disjointed and it takes you like a second to like get into the second story. Yeah. That's a real detriment to this one. I got to find Suzanne's thoughts real fast. Cause she's not here tonight, but she gave us her thoughts on these episodes and a uh, real, real short and sweet on that. And, uh, I'm going to get to that right now. See, they open my text messages, brother. That's some shitty music for you guys to listen to while I open it up. Okay. Uh, Suzanne says, Love stinks. Crazy Jeffrey Combs made it watchable, like we said. But the story was lame. Uh, this is a keep it in the boiler rating for her, which is the mid-range. It's been a while since you guys been on the show, so we'll explain all again. And um, Which our rating system is. Best, uh, a good one is Welcome to Prime Time, bitch. Middle range is Keep It in the Boiler. And, the, ooh, what was the last one? It's Flaming Piss Resurrection was, was the worst of the worst. And uh, that's where I'll kick it to you, Mike, next and ask you uh, any final thoughts on Love Stinks and what is your rating, sir? Um, I, nah, final thoughts? I would say, you know, ignore the fact that the two stories don't really relate in any way other than the one character that kind of takes over as the main guy in the second story um but otherwise i am actually gonna go out there and say this is a welcome to prime time episode because how how long has it been since we've liked both stories in one episode and i I thought both of these stories while not you know nothing surprising about them nothing new but we're also talking about something that's what 30 plus years old now so i wouldn't expect watching it you know in 2021 to feel fresh or new anyway um so when it comes to this type of stuff i will i will favor good over needing to be original because it's original is a lot harder to do now um even then really but uh yeah i i enjoyed both uh the stories in episode 17 so yeah that's gonna be my rating yeah i'm right there with you it it is one of the better ones uh like i said separately it's better uh welcome to prime time bitch or fuck the prime time bitch i forget which one it is whatever you guys choose to the vernacular you guys choose to use it is one of the top ones of of uh these 17 episodes we've covered so far uh, but the next one we're going to cover is called The Art of Death. 
Jack's in love with a campus queen. If I just had the guts to show her my stuff. But her boyfriend doesn't believe the pen is mightier than a sword. Let's see if you can draw with hamburger for a hand. So Jack's gonna sketch up a little revenge by entering Freddy's drawing room. Where I'm sure he'll find plenty of inspiration. <laughs> On the next Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah, this one uh, features... Uh, not Styles from Teen Wolf 2 shows up in this uh, Stuart Freck, and I, I don't want to call him that because I think he's just as good as the original Styles from Teen Wolf, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, your cheapo plot synopsis for this is a young artist comic is brought to life. That's a real cheap. And the second part, which is pretty pretty abhorrent to the first part, you kind of really go together this time around, which is a nice change. A claustrophobic woman, which is was the woman he was after, is tormented by her roommate's friend. Um, this is a movie about a guy who's an artist, uh, a show about a movie, an episode about a guy who's an artist who, uh, gets a job, you know, doing art for, for a newspaper, uh, the, the campus newspaper, and he comes with this character called the Phantom, and, um, the Phantom, you know, as you, as you would in, in, in these episodes, uh, he goes to sleep and the Phantom comes to life and, and starts to, uh, do bad things as, as he draws them again. This has been done on Tales from the Crypt before with, with Harry Anderson, to where he was a Tales from the Crypt artist, mm-hmm. and his creations are brought to life. That That is a better episode than this episode, but I, nonetheless, I, I, I like this one okay, too. Uh, starts, starts killing people as he, as he, as he draws them. Uh, falls in love with this girl who has a boyfriend who bullies him. Of course, you're going to dispatch the bully, and then we get to the, the conclusion, the obvious conclusion of... Um, which we'll talk about when we discuss the episode, but Michael, uh, the art of death, um, we could do it as a whole because this goes together. Because the, the girl, the 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 girl he's after, is traumatized by these events in the second part of this episode. So uh, shoot it to me, brother. Yeah, this this actually feels more um, cohesive. Like the second part is like a straight epilogue almost to the first story. So that's kind of refreshing there because that doesn't happen too often. Um, as far as this goes, the, you know, I will concentrate on the first half. I, I, once again, I liked it. Um, I thought, uh, it, like you pointed out, another thing that's been done in the same era in Tales from the Crypt, but, um, what this also kind of reminded me of was the, the comic book guy, from um dream child i believe it was and i think because this episode came out in 89 and i think the dream child came out right in that era too maybe like 88 89 yeah the, the, maybe the, the, 90 but i yeah 89 april 29th 1989 so it's right around the same time and yeah the, the so character he he the created was a remind me of that guy the, the phantom prowler <laughs> yeah. he created uh-huh it it kind of made me think of that almost like this was like an extended version of that guy's story in a way they, they even had the same effect although much more cheaply done but but the the effect of him getting pulled into like his drawing board um for a nightmare uh that was cool um i you know i've always got a kick out of the stories of you know my drawings come to life i mean like you said, the Tales from the Crypt. I remember there was a segment on Amazing Stories with the World... I think it was World War II pilot where he had to draw, like, the animated 
landing gear wheels. Yep. The he was he was stuck in the he was stuck in the gunnery uh the, the lower gunnery yeah, thing. Crushed. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, there's other examples, of, obviously, of the, of this type of thing, but. You know, I'll, I'll repeat what I said about the first, the other episode we covered. Do it well, and I, I'm not really concerned that it's been done before. You know, as long as you you can do it well and put your own kind of interpretation and characters, and you draw me into the story, fine. I mean, how many, how many times out of all the t- movies and TV shows and books or comics we read these days, how many times can you truly say I've never seen or heard? something like this before. So I'm not going to hold that against, you know, a low budget anthology show. Um, yeah, I, I was a fan of this episode and I liked the way it ended. Like, you know, totally, uh, victim of the nightmare, uh, getting stuck in it. And it kind of reminded me of, uh, the fly when he's kind of yelling at everyone, you know, in the help me, help me. But, (laughs) Yeah, everyone is oblivious. Yeah, it was neat, man. I, I love the that idea. Like like you mentioned, him going into the page and becoming his character. That's that's the big twist in the episode. That he's the one that's been doing all these murders as the Phantom, and he's got the the, the lady that shows up in you know that's that's the, the major part of the the second part of this episode. Uh, stuck in a hole like she, she's the lady from Silence of the Lambs or something, you know, in a warehouse somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really well done though. I mean, I, I love, I love the, the the desperation of the character. I love uh, the style of the character and the whole idea of him being the bullied and you know him get, getting his revenge. You know, whether he realizes it or not, he's he's getting his revenge for being bullied by basically go up some, the skirt of another guy's that they say hey you know i want this girl but guess what here's the opposing force and that's gonna die on a treadmill and uh hilariously <laughs> you know? but um mm-hmm. yeah the end though was pretty awesome leading into the the second part which is the girl that he um whether willingly or or did not know he was terror terrorizing is uh, out out of whatever facility she she had to go to after all this torment, and she she's ready to go. She's got her meds. She she's gonna go live with her roommate, but she's uh she's being she's being pursued by this dude who, who wants a book out of the apartment or something. So he's just like being like over, overly sexual with her the whole time, and this is Freddy's nightmares after all. So who knows if this is the way it's happening or not, but she keeps going in on a loop and on a loop. And it's a, uh, it's a great, it's a great nightmare tale for a woman who's seen some, 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 some trauma. And I imagine um, this, this is how a person like that would react to the said trauma you know, by hallucinations and bad dreams and stuff. Mm-hmm. But what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I thought the second episode was kind of a naturally good transition off the first episode. This was one where it felt like you take a character uh, from the first, but actually make it make sense how you're veering the story off to them, as opposed to, you know, just, okay, we're going to take a character and totally go in another direction, not even acknowledge anything from... The first uh, half happened. Um, I will say I felt it 
kind of dragged a little. Uh, you know, not a whole lot went on until that is that my man Doug Flutie showed up. Because <laughs> <laughs> when that guy first showed up, I, I was like, is that Doug Flutie, the the quarterback? I was like, this in the late 80s, this would have been what, the, his UFL? Or what? Or was he a CFL guy back, back then before he got back to the NFL? Um, oh, I forget now. <laughs> but yeah, once he showed up, it was basically like the rest of the play, or rest of the running time was just him harassing her the entire time. Um, yeah, I didn't. While I did appreciate kind of like what they did with the, with uh, the character in this one, I still much preferred the first half. It, it was a lot more fun to me than than this one. It was just more kind of like psychoanalyst half of the episode where let you know let's go over the trauma but there wasn't I, I didn't feel like there was a ton they did with it but it was okay it was okay oh i agree you know the second half was in the first half was much stronger than the second half but i guess if they needed to throw something in there when they, they did this thing they did this thing like do every other episode they this and it's not even tertiary characters is the main character from from the first part which made the second part better that it just wasn't like this rando person in the episode. And um, it wasn't as good as the, as the first part, but it, it, it worked as a second part, which I can say that for 80% of these episodes, as they they go together in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I forgot to mention this was directed by one Ken Wiederhorn again. He does a lot of these. He helps write a lot of these. Um... This is the guy that gave us Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Um, not, not a whole lot going on here in the second half, though. And I, But that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm glad they're connected in a way that makes... It's, make, it makes them being together, these stories together, make sense in a way. And uh, any, uh, any last thoughts on the episode, Michael? And uh, we'll move on to ratings. Um, I will say this one is a very cohesive... 45 minutes while I, you know, I definitely thought the first half was stronger. At least this one gives you a logical reason why they, why they chose a certain character to continue on. And it makes perfect sense. The story they gave that character. So you have to give some kudos to that. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm going to say, uh, what is it? Keep it in the boiler. This is a really good, strong first half. Okay, second half. So, uh, not quite welcome to primetime. Yeah, Suzanne, uh, on the other hand, says, where is she at right now? Second one, much more fun. Love the story in the end. Welcome to primetime, bitch, is her rating for this one. As Willis would say, bitched, you know. Uh, we gotta get him on here one time just to talk shit about these sometimes. Uh, anyway, my rating, um, I, I dug it quite a bit, and I, I liked that the, the stories went together. It's a big, strong, big, strong set for this one, even though it's the second story was not, the second part of the story was not as good as the first part of the story, because, you know, who, who doesn't love art that comes to life and kills people? Everybody loves that, and watching a horror anything. Um, I, I gotta give it to the, the welcome to primetime bitch rating that Suzanne gave, because, it's cohesive, and that's rare in this situation, you know? Oh, my gosh. But uh, next up, there's, there's Dutch to get crying. I'm going to leave that on the show. Uh, we have 
episodes 19 and 20 uh, coming up in the next episode. One's called Missing Persons. The other one's called The Light at the End of the Tunnel. It involves uh, actor Timothy Bottoms. It, it, it sure was a tertiary character in the first part of the episode. He's the biggest actor in that episode. And um, Light at the End of the Tunnel has has Duchess making noise. <laughs> uh, it doesn't really say in the wiki, damn it. But um, hopefully they're as good as this one. But that one says a man tries to overcome his fear, overcome his fear of the dark after getting a job in a sewer. And uh, the second part is a pornographic store owner becomes trapped in his nightmares. So I'd imagine, you know, I, I don't even know, man. It's weird. Uh, Michael, you got some stuff to push, sir. Do it now, sir. All right. So we just recorded the latest fresh cuts on the first part of the Fear Street trilogy that's now streaming on Netflix. So... Definitely by the time you're listening to this, that'll be available. Um, for those that aren't familiar, Fresh Cuts is a sister podcast to the main podcast, Fresh Cuts. We basically cover uh, new releases. Um, and now that theaters are open, we're getting back out to them sometimes. So, you know, for some episodes, the movies will literally be brand new releases when there's not something in the theater. We'll look through what's available on VOD through all the services and try to get something, you know, as, as new as possible. But, uh, there's actually a pretty good built up cache of movies now. So we'll, it's always better when we can look through movies and make a choice how we want to, as opposed to like, this is the only thing available that's new. So that's a weekly podcast and No More Room in Hell is the main show. Uh, that's uh, your kind of basic news, uh, hot topics, and movie reviews where we just pick a move, pick a couple movies to talk about um, for no other reason than whoever's turn it is to pick feels like picking them. Um, and then last for me is Theme Warriors, which is a monthly show where we pick a movie theme and then the four co-hosts pick a movie that fits within that theme and we discuss them. Um, those are my main shows. I will, I'm actually participating in uh, the podcast Under the Stairs' summer series this year. So if you're not tired of me but yet, check me out on the 2014 episode, which will be recorded in a couple of weeks. And then I am an adjudicator for 2019, so I get my I get to throw my hat in the ring a couple times in different uh, different roles. So hopefully, uh, oh, I'm sure it'll be a fun time. But um, can't wait to do it. So that's it for me. Yeah, me uh, Legion uh, Legion podcast. Uh, yeah, you can find Cinema Beef two treatment commentaries. Those are the ones that you know on LegionPodcast.com. Brand new show. Last Call of Torchies, which is a, a show, and I haven't seen any podcasts do this, that I've let out, and I've Googled this, uh, cover the, uh, a comprehensive look at uh, cinema renaissance man, Walter Hill, who's a writer, director, producer, he, does, he wears many hats. We're doing his whole, his whole catalog, and it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, with Lee Russell and, and Cameron Scott. Uh, Blood from the Core is a thing I do with Derek uh, Bourgeois, which is a Legion Patreon exclusive. We have, by the time you hear this, we'll probably have two episodes out or close to. Um, that's a show that's all New York City horror and thriller based uh, movies. And um, 
I should, let's reverse that. Uh, I'm tired. But, <laughs> um, besides that, I am on the Summer Series 2. Uh, 2012 is the year that I am going to be on, and I am adjudicating 2014. As if Duncan needed any more vilification, brother. Proud of you, though, sir. I would never want your job. I would never want all that, that planning and scheduling and... Fuck, man. Just think about me. It's my fucking head hurt. I, I can't do it, man. But, uh... We'll see you guys all next time, and, um... As usual, we'll keep the old home fires burning. And, uh... Right here in the boiler room. See y'all next time.